If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. That's where we're going to camp out for a little while tonight. We'll move around a little bit, but we'll start there in that text. Uh, We've been doing a series uh, called Asking for a Friend, and we've been uh, including topics in this series that uh, may uh, be revolving around the Sunday message. And this week we talked about preaching, teaching, and reading of Scripture, and so I want to share something tonight as we kind of answer one of these important biblical questions and talk about something that we are impacted by on a regular basis. We don't always talk about it, but it certainly is something of an issue. And that is the subject of evolution. Uh, In fact, I'm going to show you some statistics tonight that will actually probably surprise you as to the direction of America anyway and our views on this, but this is certainly something that I think we should be preaching and teaching more about. Uh, Anytime I have an opportunity to speak to teenagers, I will talk to them about this specific subject because I think it's something that every child is going to be confronted with, and we ourselves are confronted with it too. I'll I'll mention a few things tonight and how it continues to impact us on a daily basis. So the question is, what does the Bible say about evolution? Well, let's start in Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to see a biblical foundation. So for, as Christians, if someone comes to us and they say, hey, look, what does the Bible say about evolution? What does the Bible say about the creation of the world? And so we will usually start here, and this is where we should start. When In Genesis 1, beginning of verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, There is a very clear picture as we start reading the Bible that there is a creator. Now this plays out on every page from here on forward, but the, the, the idea is as we open our Bible, we immediately understand that there is a God who created us. And so our job basically as we live our life is to figure out who he is, what he expects of us, and what his will is for humanity. And there are several places in the New Testament we can go to and talk about this. But in the Old Testament, it's on, in several books, writers will talk about God, the creator. And we meet people from time to time that either are agnostic or are atheist. And they cannot answer basic foundational questions. When they are asked or they're confronted with the fact of where do we come from, they will say there's a big Bang, right? Almost every person that is uh, the other view from what we would say a monotheistic point of view, that would be Christian, Muslim, and, uh, and Jewish people, believe in one God. But almost all other groups, 
that are religious will try to figure out a way to explain the creation event. Uh, in, uh, among atheists and agnostics, they will say, well, we're not sure, but we know that it happened. We just know that there was a big bang. Somehow, all of everything you see was at one time in a big ball of matter that just started oscillating and vibrating and exploded. Now, we don't know where it came from. They don't know where, uh, what happened to make it explode. They cannot explain how far the reaches of that explosion was. They cannot explain if that just continued to explode other galaxies or if it was just our galaxy. But that's what they say, is that everything that is created started with one ball of matter of mass that exploded. Well, as Christians, we say, well, I see an explosion too. <laughs> in Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the creation event, even if you say you believe in some kind of a big bang, gives you that bang but the important part is seeing who is behind it, that God created it. God put the bang in the big bang, if you want to say that. But a lot of people will not go beyond that. They will not say uh, anything else about what God has done through his word because it teaches us that he created things on a basis of one event, next day one event, next day one event, and he created everything for the purpose of making the perfect environment for humans. Every single thing from the vegetation to the fish to the little critters on the earth, everything, the way that the earth is specifically placed in distance and proximity to the sun and other objects around it, the earth is in the perfect place for an environment like what we're in. And if you were to shift the earth even just two or three degrees in one direction or the other, then we would either freeze to death or we'd burn up. And by the direction of the earth rotating in the way that it does, we have two great lights. We not just have the sun. If it was all the time sun, we would die. Or if it was looking at the moon, we would freeze to death, right? So, but the earth rotates. And so the sun is the greater light in the day. And the moon, which reflects the sun, it's like a giant mirror, is the great light of night. And so uh, Moses, as he writes this book, says, this is how it happened. These are the steps. And no one else, no other... Um, uh, scientific method could explain each individual day of creation. They would say each thing happened through an evolutionary process. I was listening to a video this week about a scientist he's debating, and there's going to be a really great debate, by the way, uh, during the lectures at, at Faulkner. Some of us will be there for it, um, but we want to try to put on Facebook how you can stream it and watch it. But I love these debates because these uh, so-called scientists and intellectuals from academia will come in at a stage and they'll sit down and, and they'll just be simple, common preachers and, and, uh, and, and, and even some are scientists and they ask questions that they have no clue how to answer. Uh, like one of the things that really gets me is the termite, for instance. You know, the termite is able to eat wood, but it cannot digest wood. It eats the wood because inside of the termite are these little critters, these little bugs, these little insects inside them that actually process the food, and then they process the critters. So I would ask someone who is of an evolutionary mind, if all things are created step by step by step, and the termite cannot live without the critter, <laughs> the bug, and the bug can't live without the termite, which one was evolving first? So it's kind of like uh, there's so many different things with animals today that they say it evolved from this one, but we don't have 
our hands on the missing link, if you will. And so it, it just, not just for simplicity, but if we're really talking about common sense, if there is no God, how did these things happen? And how come evolution, from their perspective, is not happening still? How come we don't have uh, people wandering out of the wilderness, you know, with hair all over them, dragging a club from a cave? How come we don't have some of these animals that have been uh, dug up? And, you know, they say some of the, the dinosaurs are millions and millions and millions and millions of years old, but yet some of them that they're uncovering still have muscle attached to the bone. How is that possible? If it was millions and millions and millions, they will say, well, it must be a miracle. <laughs> Man, that's, that's crazy. You believe in miracles, but you don't believe in a God. But there is, there is that argument of what they believe and why they believe it. And in most cases, they cannot give an explanation. So let me kind of give you the two opposing views. And I'm showing you this because, unfortunately, there is a third view that is gaining momentum within the church. The first view is creation. And we're going to talk about that just briefly. Creation is founded upon God's word. It's found in scripture, not just in Genesis 1, but there's other scriptures that was on the screen a moment ago, where evolution says it's our opinion. You know, in fact, the Darwin theory is a theory. And in fact, many uh, scientists say that they wish Darwin had used a bird as an example of evolution instead of a monkey, because it sure would explain a lot more species than the human species. Birds can have all kinds of different uh, you know, colors and feathers and sizes, and yet they cannot cross-pollinate, if you will. They cannot cross-breeds. So it would have been easier if he had done something like that to say we evolved into where we are. But instead he picked monkeys because... We look more like them, right? So uh, that's their opinion. That's evolution. Creation, we say everything is created by God. Any explanation for the creation of the world comes from our perspective of who God is and what God has done. They believe that earth was completely created by an accident. They can't tell you when that accident was, who caused that accident, how big it was or small it was. All they know is it just was an accident. That doesn't have a lot of meaning to us. Uh, so then therefore... Creation says we're created by a loving God, and so there's meaning to life. Those that practice evolution or believe that theory believe there's no meaning to life. They could care less if you want to practice abortion or euthanasia. Whoever is best contributing to the planet, those are the ones we should take care of. And once you've reached that point that you're no longer useful, then they will dispose, dispose of you. Uh, so there's sanctity of life with creationism, and there's not with evolution. In creationism, we have a moral standard, but with evolution, there is no moral standard. There is no uh, relative truth, as they say, which means you can do whatever you want to do. There shouldn't be anybody holding you back from doing those things. Uh, we follow the laws of God. They have complete lawlessness. I have shown before videos and pictures of cities and governments that have tried to go without laws. It never works. It never works. We're finding that with defund police, aren't we? So then we've got covenant marriage. Christianity, they, there is this idea that uh, a husband and wife must be uh, in covenant with God. And we've, we go through the biblical explanation of that. But for evolutionists, they believe in homosexuality, that there's no need to have a marriage. There's no need to have a couple. And it's actually gravitated now to where they, don't even know, they can't even tell you what a woman is or a male is. Um, and so they throw away covenant marriage, they throw away basic biology. 
Creationism says the universe is about 6,000 years old. If you're an evolutionist, it's 20 billion years old. For creationists, the Earth began at the time of the first creation event, about 6,000 years ago. Evolutionists believe that the Earth is about 4.6 billion years. Anybody know how they came up with those numbers? They don't either. Uh, life begins 6,000 years ago with creation. Evolutionists, life began about 3 million years ago. Uh, I don't know who recorded it, but that's what they say. Humans, according to creationism, were created about 6,000 years ago. So everything that took place that they are on a timeline saying humans are 200 million years old, they're saying this and they're making it up. There is no way for them to be able to know. Even the carbon dating system that sometimes they will use to show how uh, uh, animals have, have been buried for so long and certain levels of dirt uh, in the ground, we know are way off. In fact, um, from originally, way back when, although I've lived in Alabama far longer than anywhere I've ever lived in my life, when I was raised up in southwest Missouri, there is a cave there that they began to keep measurements on the wall of these stalactites and stalagmites. I believe, unless I'm incorrect, the stalactites are the ones that come from the top, and the stalagmites are the ones that grow up from the bottom. But inside the caves, they have these, these pillars, these stalactites that come down, and they started measuring them because they said, scientists said, it took a million years you know, for it to grow one inch. And this guy was showing that his were growing an inch or more every year. So it's way off. Um, at one time they said coal took millions and millions and millions of years to grow. Uh, and there's also evidence of them going down and doing mining. And their wood that they used for the railroad tracks to go down into the mines began to grow black deposits on them. They were unable to use the railing tracks. They pull up the wooden uh, uh, railroad ties and bring them to the surface. And what do you notice on those railroad ties? coal that grew in just a few years time but yet it takes millions and millions and millions of years but in that cave it was miraculous because it formed in just a couple years time and so it really is it is uh, to me and it's hard uh, I'm not being cynical but I'm just saying it's really hard for me to talk to somebody who has absolute nonsense but that's really what this is it's just absolute nonsense and so some people will stand up and pretend like they've got all these facts but there's no facts it's just theory and we, we have to be respectful to people but at the same time these are just far out bogus views so Billy did a lesson one time on getting to know your Bible, and he talked about the five things that are needed for the creation event. And he talked about the Big Bang and some of that stuff, and there's five things that they say is needed for the Big Bang. There has to be time, a time where this begins. Well, uh, we have that in Genesis 1, don't we? In the beginning. There has to be a force that caused the breaking and the bang. Well, God is present. There has to be some kind of an action, some kind of a strike of some kind or a spoken word to make the earth explode or all of the, the matter explode to create the earth and all the planets. And that's seen also there. God created. There's space. It has to be a space large enough for this to grow in. God created the heavens. And then there has to be matter, dirt, so forth. And it says God created the heavens and the earth. So Genesis 1 gives the best explanation. In fact, if I were a, an atheist and I were trying to prove my particular view, I would try to go and say, well, the Bible proves it. You know? But then they don't do that because then they have to explain evolution, which they teach it's foreign to the Bible. We know that. Uh, here, is, here are some statistics. I just kind of want to give you 
a rundown. These are from, I try to keep with polls that are uh, not Christian-leaning, okay? So I believe Pew Research and uh, there are a couple others, Barna Research Group, are fabulous. But this is a Gallup poll. So this is pretty much a generic uh, poll of all kinds of different people from various backgrounds. And they asked them, all these Americans, do you view the creation of the world and God, do you believe that there was a creation, like the Bible teaches? Uh, do you believe as an atheist that there is no God? Are you undecided? Or there's this other view, and, and I don't think we pay enough attention to it in the church. It's called theistic evolution. And that is that there are people who believe that God did create the earth, but he used evolution to bring about everything we see today. And this movement is growing and it is gaining steam all the time because Christians wrestle with, is evolution a fact? I mean, it's taught in every school, just about every school as a, as a fact, and teachers are having to fight back against that. So the Gallup poll in 2012 said that 46% of all the people polled believed in creation. 32% believed in theistic evolution. That means that they believe in a God, but they believe in evolution too. 14% atheists, 8% undecided. Just two years later, same poll, same, same type of questions, 38%. So there's, a, there's a, an, an 8% drop there in people that believe in creation. A 19% theistic evolution and 19% atheist. So they're still back and forth and undecided 7%. In 2017, same questions. Creation, 42%, so it went up a little bit. Theistic evolution, 31%. I want you to notice how those numbers are going to grow from here. Atheists, 19%, 8% undecided. In 2019, 40% believe in creation. 33% believe in theistic evolution. Atheists, 22%, undecided, 5%. And here's the one that just came out in July of this year. Creation, 38%. Theistic evolution, 40%. Atheism, 19, and undecided, 3. I call your attention to two main things in this Gallup poll. First of all, the most prominent view of the creation event among people in America is that there is a God, but evolution is a part of it. The second thing I want you to notice is the undecideds are now down to 3%. And that means that most of those undecideds have chosen to camp in either an atheist category, a creation category, or a theistic evolutionary category. And that group is growing more and more and more. So we, we're doing a great job of teaching our kids about creation, but we're not doing a good job trying to defend what the Bible says and actually disproving evolutionary theory. And there's a lot of ways we can do that. I'm going to try to help us uh, tonight. Uh, so here is the basic difference between atheistic evolution and theistic evolution. Atheistic, and that's the people that they do not believe in a God at all, and the theistic believe that God is real, but he used evolution to bring it about. I think I mentioned before I had a um, professor in college. I went to a state school for a year just to take some basics. And I was at the College of Southern Idaho, and one of our professors, uh, he was Mormon, was his background, and he told me, one day we were talking after class, and he said he absolutely believed in evolution. 
And I said, how can you teach that when the Book of Mormon actually teaches the opposite is true? And he said, well, I believe that's how God did it. I believe God used evolution to get us where we are today. And I said, well, then the first book of the Bible is a lie, if you believe the, New, the Old Testament. Because it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't, and then he created man on the sixth day. It doesn't say he created monkeys and slowly evolved them into humans. It would seem that... In Genesis 1 and 2, it throws out all of your theories concerning evolution. He said, no, there's time and gaps between those days. And this is where they hinge their view. There is a couple of brethren that teach this view in the church. And they teach that each day of creation is years. It's like a full year. I have a problem with that because the text says something else. In fact, if you'll go back to verse uh, five, it says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Well, okay, we'll, get, we'll give you that one. That's okay. Let's go to the next day, verse eight. God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. All right, we'll give you that one. We'll say that's not really, that's nothing to worry about. All right, let's go to verse 13. We're moving on into day three. So the evening and the, you with me? The third day. Every single day of creation, the event that is described by Moses in the book of the law is it was a day and a night. It's a 24-hour cycle. The earth was created with a 24-hour cycle in mind. And so God has, from that day, slowly created each individual event, and it ended on the sixth day. On the seventh day, he rested. So the word day, the word that's used there, is, is in reference to a day cycle, not a million years. And people say, oh, well, the Bible says it's like a million years is one day, and one day is a million years. Well, you can't fit that in this text, because it says that there was morning and there was evening. Now, let me give you another argument that might come. Well, how do we not know that the sun just shined and then when it sat, that was a day. So maybe maybe it was like all these years and finally the sun is setting. If that's true, on day three and four and five, there are things that would not have survived. You cannot take a plant and put it in the sun for 24 hours. It needs a break. It needs the sunshine it also needs other parts of vegetation. Can you imagine what it would be like if all the critters that are created on day five were allowed to be in the sunlight for years and years and years and years and years? It would have been a very different looking creation. So each day is one 24-hour day. Now, we're going to get a little controversial. When you think about atheistic evolution or theistic evolution, it hinges on one theory. And what is, that, what is that theory? Anybody know? Who is the father of evolutionary thought? Charles Darwin. Now, I am a big believer in research, and I love to study. And many times I study, as Hunter said, we talked about this yesterday on the phone. He said, I got all this stuff I want to talk about. And I said, sometimes you just got to drop a nugget and say, boy, if I could give you all the meat that I had studied. And, and no doubt, we put a lot of study into these things, but I have got to, for about five minutes, talk about this guy. What do we know about this father of scientific thought, this 
father of science and evolution and, rel- and all, these, all these things that we're talking about tonight. Well, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that Darwin has a lot of things on his resume that don't age well. Darwin comes into his uh, view, and we talk about the Galapagos Islands and all that stuff, but the main thing is he wants to come to this view that somehow uh, every single human evolved from one human. And so he, he goes out and he views nature and he sets among the birds and the fish and he begins to kind of have a philosophical moment. And he sees critters that look a lot like other critters. And he begins to assume that maybe this one evolved from this one and this one evolved from that one and that sometime in the cycle of humanity, some got stuck in an evolutionary stage. And others have progressed to further their evolution until we come to a lot of people today. A small problem with that is that if you believe evolution is still happening, then every single species has a lower class and a higher class. Because one has evolved at a greater rate It is survival of the fittest. So within every single species, every single animal, fish, bird, everything, including humans, including humans, including humans, are evolving differently. In his writings, he was a very devout racist. He was so badly, and these are just a few things. We know that he was, he was very much uh, against certain religious groups, against Jews, against Christians. Uh, he did not believe in, in some of the things that the culture today says he did. You need to go back and you need to read his writings. In fact, I would say that most of the books that Darwin wrote, you could not put in a public school because the, the information that is there is offensive strongly offensive. In fact, I believe that you can prove that Darwin and some of his cronies were very much behind the movement during the Civil War. In fact, back in 1859, he wrote a book called On the Origin of Species. Maybe you've heard of that one. That's like one of his famous works, The Origin of Species. But they will not tell you what the subtitle was for that book. On the book itself, and the title page says, by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. The very cover of his book is devoted to saying there are some races of humans that are greater evolved than others. You think that would sell today? If if, if you sold this book, they would would mark it all. They would throw it away. They'd burn them. You can't can't have this guy. If if you know someone that is a public figure and they got up and even said those words, they would never have a place in public office again. But that is what Darwin taught in the 50s. And by the 1860s, we have the Civil War where he is teaching in academia, and this is important because history repeats itself, He's teaching in academia that there are some races that are greater than others. And he has all these cronies that work along with him. One of them's name is Thomas Huxley. And Thomas Huxley says that the white man has bigger brains and is greater evolved than Africans and Aborigines. 
It's his own words. And those same things are taught by Darwin himself. And so during the Civil War, he's out there going, I don't really see anything wrong with slavery because they're not really evolved like we are. They're not real humans. And we say, well, the Civil War ended and all that racism just kind of, yeah, right. Those men that were favored of Darwin and of the thought of evolution in 1904, the St. Louis World's Fair, put up what they called the Philippine, uh, Philippine Reservation. And they set aside on one portion. This is the World's Fair, 1904. They set up a portion of the World's Fair, and they had a human zoo. You can look it up. You can look it up. 1904, St. Louis World's Fair, human zoo. And these evolutionists, taught by Darwin, set out in cages, mind you, people of different races. And the white man could walk through and take a look at the Aborigines and the Africans and all of these different nations and see, oh, how more highly evolved we are than they are. But yet slavery is supposed to be outlawed. But yet, because of Darwin's theory and traditions and teachings, they made a human zoo. And you don't hear about that stuff because they don't want you to know Darwin was really a radical, terrible guy. In 1871, he wrote the book, The Descent of Man and Selection in Re Relation to Sex. And in that, he depicts Africans as less evolved than white people. And he doubles down on it in the book, discussing the ranking of different races and sexes. That, again, couldn't be taught today. Racism and sexism could be taught, but he writes about it. His works also explore evolutionary histories, anatomy, mental abilities, cultural capacities, rage, ace, sex. He says there are certain things you can look at in a person and know that they are, they are not evolved as much as someone else. Their intellectual capability is different, and it's because of culture. They're dumber because of culture. They're not quite as evolved as we are, so they're going to make poorer decisions. And so Darwin offers up this racist and sexist view of humanity. This comes from an anthropologist from Princeton University. And he says, don't believe the garbage of Darwin. He's teaching racism. He portrays anyone but white European men as less than or of a, quote, lower rank than other races. Now, you're not going to hear this from people who tout him as one of the greatest intellectuals of all time, but I'm telling you, when you see what was being taught by Darwin, you have a greater understanding of why things were happening the way they were in the Civil War. When academia comes on the scene and says, let us explain to you how one race is greater than another. And it's interesting that the same mentality and the same teachings of Darwinism were present in public schools in the 50s and the 60s. And when they start pushing all of this Darwinistic thought, we have the Civil War movement, or the, the Civil Rights Movement. The civil rights movement is trying to fight against this evolutionary theory. And so there's this pushback. You can't teach evolution in school. And you, well, we want to teach evolution in school. And now today, where we talk about evolution rising to the front again in scientific thought, we have struggles with racism. The same thing. When academics feel like they can push their theories and their opinions, all the children, college-age kids are all pawns in that game. And it's a dangerous game to play because you cannot teach evolution without teaching the evolution of race and that one race is greater than another. This is just, these are just facts. And this is something that I think 
We will talk about racism in this series at some point. I'll be gentle with that. But uh, we still see racism in our culture. We do. Um, we have, from time to time, men that will run for elected offices. And they, people will say, I'm not going to vote for them. Why not? Well, I just, I just can't. Why? Is it the color of their skin? Well, they don't want to admit to that. And it even happens in the church sometimes. It's, it's hard, but sometimes we see people that when uh, someone who is of a Hispanic or African-American descent is leading, whether it be preaching, teaching, leading singing, praying, there are people who won't participate. And that's racism. It is a dangerous, dangerous game to play, and the church has no place with prejudice. We all support Every single creature of God, every single one of us. And I loved, uh, Marshall Keeble said one time, <laughs> they said, you know, he was, a, he was a, an animal, and he said, well, the Bible says preach the gospel to all creatures, but we're supposed to love each other equally. We do not show prejudice towards people because of their color, of their skin. And that, that has no place in the church. That's anti-Christ behavior. It's dangerous. So um, let's talk a little bit about this, how it impacts us today. We've got about uh, 10 minutes here. Uh, what thoughts do you have about evolution, creation? Anybody? Yep. Nathan? When you got into theistic evolution and uh, talking about the gap that people like to talk about in between each day, the millions and millions of years, not only describing it the way you did in Genesis 1 should answer that, mm-hmm. but if you go through the Bible as a whole and you look at when it talks about a day, whether it be this certain day or that certain day, each time is a 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. Each time is the same time period, t- same time frame day. You know, when it talks about a day's journey, is that a means and means a year's journey? Right, right. You know, when you talk about different things. So it, it's something that as Christians, we can't hold to any aspect of evolution and hold to God at the yep. same time. Yep. Because if we hold to one aspect of evolution, not only did we make, like I said, God a liar, the Bible a liar, we, we've, we've just distanced ourselves from the truth. And it, it's it just, that's one thing that back when you and I began preaching, I dealt with this subject even back on Sand Mountain. Yep. And I, I remember studying this, and I remember, I remember the first time as a young preacher in my early 20s, learning about this and learning, you know, people, I was like, people believe what? Yeah. And uh, here we are, you know, me not as as old as you. I mean, here we are 30 years later. And we're still dealing with the same thing. And in fact, more and more Christians are embracing it. And I think one of the main reasons they're embracing it is because they hear so much of it from the world and they hear so little of it from us. Right. That's true. I do, and I totally, I, I agree with you. There's certain places in the Bible where you cannot use the word day the way that they try to use the word day. The Bible is much more simple than we make it, some people make it out to be. And I do think that it is a growing movement because people are trying to reconcile science and religion. And that's what they do. They're trying to put them together. Yeah. Well, one thing we got to realize is that, you know, like you said, like you said earlier, it's taught in the schools and we've got to make sure our kids are being taught the truth of it. I mean, one thing we do at Snook, and I tell parents all the time, evolution is taught in our Bible cl- in our, our biology class or in science classes. Yeah. Because these kids have got to learn it because that's state curriculum. They also got to learn it because when they go to college, they're going to be taught it. Right. 
And we, you know, one thing I really like about that Miss Wilcox does or did last year is she teaches both sides of it because that's what you got to do. You got to teach it for, you know, like you just did tonight to show kids this is what evolution is. Mm -hmm. This is what they say it is. Right. This is the, the, the incorrectness of it or whatever word you want to use there. But here's what God says and here's the truth of it. Here's proven fact of what it is. All these evolutionists, like you said a while ago, yeah, they, they carbon dated. But who came up with how, how old that carbon date was? I mean, yeah. come on. Some man said, oh, this carbon date is black, so therefore right. it has to be a million years old. Right. You know, all that garbage. But, you know, that's one thing we've got to make sure we do as Christian parents and, you know, whatever we are. We've got to make sure we're teaching it the correct way to our kids. Yeah. Yes, we got to teach evolution because that's in our in our world. That's out there. We got to show them. Here's what they're saying. Here's what God says. Right. And like Nathan says, we've got to make sure it's coming from our pulpits, coming from our classes, coming from whatever, because we've got to be able to teach the truth, not just go, "I it'll go away." Because, right. like he said, he's an old man now, <laughs> and it started way back then. Yeah. I, back I, I'm telling. I'm telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're but, right. Yeah, but yeah. seriously, I mean, you know, it's here now and it's going to stay. It's not going right. to go away. That's, that's the thing is evolution has been around, you know, thousands of years and it's going to stay, you know, hundreds of years. It's going to stay around. We've just got to teach the truth of it. Yeah. And I've cross-referenced these statistics with Gallup. Same thing from Pew and Barna and other research oriented groups is that atheistic evolution and theistic evolution are the same thing. Only one believes there's a God. And so you've got, to, you've got to discern that the reason why theistic evolutionists are growing in number is because people are being taught evolution in school and they want to be a creationist, so they try to merge the two views. But they are totally the opposite of each other. Yeah, Jeff, and I think Nathan's got something too. Uh, not so long ago, a couple of decades, I guess, uh, and I'm not sure of the names and everything. It might have been Lewis Leakey, okay, anthropologist or archaeologist, whatever he was. Uh, found some bones. Uh, it was a jawbone and a tooth. And out of that, he put together what they called the Piltdown Man. Yeah, Piltdown Man. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't too long after that, they discovered it came from an extinct pig. Right. <laughs> and but they that's the Piltdown man is still being taught. Yes, he is as a valid discovery. And the Nebraska man's another one. Uh -huh. Several of those they're they falsified. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's you You're know right. it's another thing. If I can hang on. Go to for this. it. Uh, you mentioned uh, 20 billion years yeah. for, for the universe yeah. and 4.6 for the Earth. Well. <laughs> Uranium-238 has a half-life of 4.2 billion. Right. Okay? So if the Earth is 4.6 and all the Uranium-238 on it is, well, it's expired. It should have blown up a long time ago. Yeah. You know, so That's, either science is wrong or, you right. know, whatever. So. And we keep, the funny thing is we really, we haven't done the research on these planets to be able to determine what their, what their ages are. We're just guessing for our own. But like things that we didn't know, like it's just been in my, my generation, we found out that the earth or the sun is made of a lot of helium. It's, it's, there's a lot of things in the sun, certain compounds that we didn't know existed. 
And so we're just now starting to get satellites out and take pictures, and we're seeing things that we never thought possible, and it's important for us to remember that even in science, and yes, as Christians, we believe in science, but it does not mean that you could just take one person's opinion and run with it because they say that they have research or something that's better than somebody else's. And the problem with academia, uh, I want to tell a story. I'm going out of town, so I guess I could, t I could tell this story and leave. Misty hates it when I do this. But I'll tell you a story, if we got time, of something that was taught as science, and it was an absolute hoax, and he did it on purpose. And people still accidentally teach that theory. Yeah, go ahead. This is just a request. I did a quick scan around the room. I think there's 34 of us in here if you count Griffin in the back. Uh -huh. There's going to be 150, 160 here on Sunday mornings. And we just, you know, agreed to the fact that this is gaining momentum because they just simply don't hear it. Yeah. Do this on Sunday, not this Sunday morning. I know you're ready yeah. for something else, but do this on a Sunday morning yes. where you know, I don't mind hearing it again. And but you, I mean, you ever, as a preacher, you say you kind of preaching to the choir. You don't expect many of us in here tonight to say, "Well, yeah, Ray, I think we right. came from monkeys." Right. But when we have 150, 160 visitors, everything right. else, these are the people we got to reach. Mm -hmm. And because those are the people we're counting on to reach others, if we're going to make a difference. And so my request is. Do this on Sunday morning. I think it's a great idea. I do think that there's a, our theme this year is about faith, and I think that that would be a great thing to spend a couple weeks on, maybe a month, on things like this. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's not monkey around, right? Okay. Hunter's coming to give me the Hunter's got you. Um, I was just going to say, like, I think a couple of things, even back when I was in college, Back yeah. way long, yeah. back again. you know, I was a English major, and I think let, not even looking at it from a science way, but this, the Bible is is looked at as literature, mm -hmm. and I think that we have preachers in our own brotherhood that encourage that yes. when they suggest that there are books of the Bible that are not in the Bible, yep. because then it, is it inspired or is it Shakespeare? Yep. So that's a great point. That is a great point. Is that time? No. Do I have, do I have I, time to tell my story? Yeah, I wanted to say one thing too. It's a great well. story. It's uh, a true story. And this is just it's not a, a quick quick note. story. It's uh, whenever people start talking about the Big Bang, is something you were talking about at the beginning. Uh, one thing that always stumps them, they go, oh, yeah, well, all this matter, it blew up, and that's where we come from. We'll say, right. where did the matter come from? They don't know. They don't know. And, and that's always their answer. We don't know, but we know what happened. Right. We, know, we don't know what it was, but we know what it wasn't. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.